says, the Lord will give strength to his people. The Lord will bless his people with peace. This is a beautiful psalm that promises his people peace. And David is <coughs> writing this psalm and he's looking for peace. And if you go back into the psalm, uh, the, the context of this is, is, God, is David is writing to God. He's ascribing strength to the Lord and he's using uh, wording that has things to do with like a fierce storm. If you want to read the psalm, you would see that. There's a fierce storm that, that David continues to refer to, Christ, to God as being strong in the storm. And it's all these imageries of Jesus or of God and how strong he is through the storm. And yet the thing is, what he says here in verse 11 is in the face of a storm, in the face of not only just a storm, but really most likely a typhoon or a hurricane is what's being talked about here. In the face of the storm that David calls out to God and says, you will give strength and you will give peace to your people. Notice this isn't a question. This isn't a, oh, are you, would you please consider giving us your peace and strength? David is calling out to God and he says, no, God, you will give us strength and you will bless your people with peace in the face of the storm. And where can we get, where can we understand that? Well, we see that David writes that the strength and peace that God will provide his people. The psalm compares the awe of God with a fierce storm, as I just said. But then what we see in verse 10 is very key to where the strength and the peace comes from. In verse 10 of Psalm 29, it says, The Lord sat as king at the flood. Yes, the Lord sits as king forever. This flooding is part of that imagery of a storm. And what David says is that God is king over the flood. God is king over over the storm. And then he says, not only is God king over the storm and king over the flood, God is king over all. And after he says God is king over all, in other words, he is in complete control over everything. After he says that, he says in verse 11, you can have strength or the the Lord will give strength and the Lord will give peace because he is ultimately in control over all, even in the midst of a storm. We are Many of us are going through storms of life. Everybody has a different storm. Some are worse than others. My little technological storm wasn't that bad compared to what we know is going on in our church, in families in our church, uh, in people we know. And, and you know what? Storms are raging, and yet God is still king over the storm. We know that that's true. The scripture tells us time and time again there isn't anything that happens outside of God's power. We know this to be true, and we have to trust it And that will give us peace and it will give us strength in the time of the storm. If we trust in God's sovereignty. Kind of reminds me, I gave this illustration last week at Epic. Um, But do you guys remember, you know, the last few days we've had some snow, some ice, some fog. uh, And I I don't know if you remember when you were a kid. Uh, You were a little kid sitting in the back seat of the vehicle. I remember distinctly when I was a kid sitting in the back seat and remembering when there were snowstorms and my dad was driving. I remember as a little kid, I didn't think about how bad the roads were, that there was, that I wasn't afraid that we were going to slip and crash. I wasn't afraid that, uh, somehow we were going to get snuck, stuck in a snowbank. Um, what I, all I worried about was I was in the back seat, minding my own business, playing, listening to music, sometimes looking at the snow coming at the windshield and thinking I was going through space, you know, if anybody's ever done that. Um, uh, but my, my, the point here is, as a child, you're in the back seat and, and what are you doing, the driver? You're, you, let's say it's your father, maybe it was somebody else, but you are trusting the driver completely. As a kid, you, I mean, there could be a storm raging, 
And to a kid who's either fighting with a sibling or uh, whatever else might be happening in the back seat, they're not thinking about all the dangers and all the worries, and they don't, they're not concerned about the storm that is raging around. Now, I'm not saying every kid. Some kids probably are. But I remember as me, I didn't care. I knew that my dad was driving, and I knew that I could trust him to get us where we were going, and there wouldn't be a problem. Now, now that I've grown up and now I'm a father driving kids in the back seat, I realize that when there's a storm there, you're white-knuckled, you're scared to death, and you don't know what, what's going. But as a kid, you don't know any of that. You just think, oh, it's pretty snow, right? And so as, as, a, as a kid sitting in the back seat, I, I want to kind of make that illustration to that's how we should be uh, when we look at what God is doing. The storm is raging around, but we need to sit in the back seat. We need to say, you know what, God, you take us where you're going. We know that you know where you're going. We know that we can trust you, that you will not allow us to have an accident in this storm, that you are in control and you are going where you want to go. And uh, I think a lot of us can relate to that and understand that when we're going through the storm, that we just need to say, you know what, God is king. God is in control. I need to sit back and, and not worry, and which we'll get to that later, uh, and just let him drive. And not worry about the storm that's raging, but instead leave that to him. And, uh, you know, for me, I, I thought about that, and I thought that's a really, for me, that helps me see it a little more. Like, am I really sitting in the back seat letting God drive, or am I trying to uh, push my way to the driver's seat? Um, and we'll talk about that a little bit more later. Um, but let's continue on with this idea of peace. Uh, as we see that God has promised peace in Psalm 29, we also, another famous Christmas text uh, that we often see is in the book of Isaiah, uh, if you want to go back to Isaiah chapter 9, and we, sang, and we even sang some of that uh, this morning, uh, Isaiah uh, chapter 9, verses 6 through 7. Like I said, this is a classic prophecy of the Messiah coming in Isaiah 9. Isaiah 9, 6 and 7 says, For a child will be born to us, a son will be given to us, and the government will rest on his shoulders, and his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, Prince of Peace, and there will be no end to the increase of his government and of his peace. Once again, God then, so God in the Psalms has promised peace to his people. Now in Isaiah, he gives us a more, he gives us, he kind of narrows it down and says, look, peace is coming through the Messiah. The Messiah will be the Prince of Peace and his rule will be one of peace. You see, peace is promised. The prophecy of the coming Messiah calls him the Prince of Peace. God promises to send his son to bring peace. And once again, we see the same theme, right? <clears throat> the reason his son will bring peace is because his son is king. Once again, the sovereign over all, the king over all. And as we know that God is sovereign, God is the king, his son is the king, we can have trust in him and we can have true peace. Peace in our lives and also peace in our relationship with God, which we'll talk about just in a second. So he would be the God King who would rule over all. That's who the Messiah is. That's who Jesus is. And he's the one who rules in peace. And so we'll talk about that a little bit more as we go on. So that prophecy was made in Isaiah 9, 6 through 7. But over 600 years later, uh, after God had promised that peace would come through his son, when we celebrate on Christmas... We see the prophecy is fulfilled. Like I said, 600 years later, the prophecy is fulfilled in the person of none other than Jesus Christ. The Messiah that's been promised that will bring peace 
is Jesus. And then we go back and we see in Luke 2.14 that when Jesus does come, what do the angels say? The angels come and they say, peace on earth. Peace has come through Jesus Christ. And so where we saw God the Father promises peace, now we see that God the Son brings peace. God the Son brings peace. But see, there's two ways that Jesus, when he came down and and he made himself a man to live a perfect life and to die for us on the cross one day, when he humbled himself to do that, what we see is that Jesus Christ, first of all, brought peace with God. That we can have peace with God. And I don't want to overlook this because we're talking a lot about having peace in our lives, but ultimately we can have peace in our lives because we have peace with God. And so when Jesus came... When Jesus comes, he brings peace. You see, we were once enemies of God. But now we have found peace with God through Jesus' death. Not just making that up. We see that in several places in Scripture. Here we see in Romans 5 is one of the classic places we can look to this. Romans chapter 5. In Romans chapter 5, we see this understanding that we are enemies, that we were enemies except for the death of Christ. Romans chapter 5, verse 1, and then 6 through 11. In Romans 5, we read this, Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. In verse 6, For while we were still helpless, at the right time Christ died for the ungodly. For one will hardly die for a righteous man, though perhaps for a good man someone would dare to even die. But God demonstrates his own love towards us, and that while we were yet sinners... Christ died for us, much more than having now been justified by his blood, we shall be saved from the wrath of God through him. For if while we were enemies, we were now reconciled to God through the death of his son, much more, having been reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. And not only this, we also exult in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received the reconciliation. We also see the same concept over in Colossians 1, and it talks about how we were enemies brought close by the blood of Christ. So first, when Jesus comes to bring peace, he brought peace between us and God. You see, we were enemies, we were sinners, we were ungodly, we are walking a different direction, complete enemies at enmity with God, we hated God. But then Jesus came to the earth, and you know what? He gave us salvation. He gave us the opportunity now to access, to have direct access to God, to that we can have a peace with God that we couldn't have before. The peace of God that would last forever, the peace with God that comes through salvation in Jesus Christ. That we were once afar off, we were once away from Jesus, we were from God, we were walking away from Him, we were complete enemies, we were fighting against Him. And yet through Jesus, though He came, He lived a perfect life, uh, he, he ministered to people on earth, told people he was God, died on the cross for your, your and my sins, rose again three days later, and then ascended up to heaven to wait for us. That is the gospel. And when he does that, when Jesus came to bring peace, that allowed us to no longer be enemies with God, but instead uh, to be allies, to be joined with him. Uh, the, the interesting thing here is we have peace through union with him. You know, a lot of times I hear this say that we went from enemies to friends, and that is kind of true. But actually, this word peace, it's very interesting as you study the word. The Greek word for peace, the root of it is to join or to become whole. Now, I find that very interesting because 
A lot of times we talk about sin breaking the relationship between us and God. And something that was now broken, that we were enemies, now can be made whole again. That we have wholeness of a relationship with God. That we are joined to Him. That we have union with Him. So it's not just that now He looks at us as friends where He looks at us as enemies. But actually, we are one with Him. We are united with Him through Christ. And we know that to be true. That we have become whole Our broken relationship with God has been made whole through the death and the sacrifice, the resurrection, and the gospel of Jesus Christ. So we have peace with God. And out of that peace, we can live in peace. And that's where we're going to go next. You see, not only does Jesus Christ bring peace with God, but Jesus Christ brings the peace of God to us. In other words, we can live in peace knowing that we are at peace with God. And that's the whole point. When Jesus comes, he he gives peace with God and the peace of God. And we see that in John. He says it from his own mouth in in the book of John. Uh, John 16.33 is where we first see this. Uh, John 16.33. Actually, we'll go back just a little bit further to get some context. And we're going to actually look at starting in verse uh, 29. And his disciples said, Lo, now you are speaking plainly and are not using a figure of speech. Now we know that you know all things and have no need for anyone to question you. By this we believe that you came from God. And Jesus answered them, Do you now believe? Behold, an hour is coming and has already come for you to be scattered, each to his own home, and and to leave me alone. And yet I am not alone, because the Father is with me. These things I have spoken to you, that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have tribulation... But take courage, I have overcome the world. Jesus says to his disciples, he says, look, you're going to be scattered, you're going to be persecuted, I'm going to be taken away from you, but this is what I can give you, this is what I can promise you, is you can have peace. Jesus knows this world is troubling, but we can have peace in his victory. He says, look, I have overcome the world. Remember, he is the king over all. He has overcome the world, and therefore we can have peace No matter how troubling this life is, no matter how many trials we face, no matter how many tribulations we face, even from other people, that God is still on the throne. Jesus is still on the throne. He's had victory. He has had victory and he is the king sitting on the throne and we can trust him. We can have peace in his victory. Jesus promises us that. Jesus says, look, the world will be troubling, but you can't have peace. I want to encourage us that with today. Jesus offers peace even in the most troubling times. And then also in John 14, just a few chapters back, Jesus says another great statement of peace. John 14, 27. And we'll get back to the few verses before this in context in just a minute, but let's just read verse 27 right now. It says, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you, not as the world gives do I give to you. Do not let your heart be troubled, nor let it be fearful. And he talks about, once again, how he's going to leave them. And and he's telling them there's going to be tribulation, there's going to be trouble. And what does he say? I'm leaving my peace with you. Jesus left his peace for his followers so that we would not be worried or afraid. Those are the specific things he says here. He says, I'm leaving peace with you. He says, do not let your heart be troubled or let it be fearful. He says, you don't need to have fear. You don't need to be uh, torn up by worry and anxiety because... I have overcome the world, going back to the verse we just read. I am leaving you peace, and since I give it, you can 
receive it. That's the whole point. God doesn't give a gift that we can't receive. Jesus gives peace. And he says, you can have peace in this troubling world. You can have peace even though I will not be on this earth any longer. You can and will have peace. So you don't need to worry. You don't need to fear. This is a promise directly from Jesus himself. That brings us to the third member of the Trinity because the peace that Jesus leaves us comes through the Holy Spirit. It is him who gives us peace for our daily life. And you say, well, okay, well, you just said Jesus left his peace. Well, the interesting thing is, if you go back a few verses from what we just read in verse 27, back in John chapter 14, this is what Jesus says in verse 25. And these things have I spoken to you while abiding with you. But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. Right before Jesus says, I'm leaving peace with you, he says, I'm leaving the Holy Spirit with you. The Holy Spirit's going to come and peace will be here. See, the Holy Spirit takes what Jesus promised and what Jesus brought to this world, to us, the peace that is offered to us, and the Holy Spirit then comes in and he is our helper or our counselor. Uh, God the Holy Spirit gives peace. The peace Jesus leaves for us is a counselor or a helper who is the Holy Spirit. You see, we can have peace because we have help, we have counsel from Him. The Holy Spirit that dwells within us when we know Jesus is our Savior, that's that the Holy Spirit, God Himself, who is working in us to show us peace and to give us peace. This is God's promise. Jesus has promised to us in John 14 that the Spirit will come and peace will follow. And so we also see that in Romans 8, if you want to turn over. I know we're going a lot of different passages. There's a lot about peace in, in, the, in God's Word. It's obviously an important subject. Uh, Romans chapter 8, verses 6 through 11. Talks about this at great length. Talks about this peace that we can have through the Holy Spirit. In Romans 8, starting in verse 6. For the mindset on the flesh is death, but the mindset on the Spirit is life and peace. Because the mindset of the flesh is hostile towards God, nor does it subject itself to the law of God, for it is not even able to do so. And those who are in the flesh cannot please God. However, you are not in the flesh, but are in the Spirit. If indeed the Spirit of God dwells in you, but if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he does not belong to him. If Christ is in you, through the, though the body is dead because of sin, yet the Spirit is alive because of righteousness. But if the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through the Spirit that dwells in you. We can experience life through the Holy Spirit. In walking per the Holy Spirit, we can have peace from where? From within. Not within ourselves, but the Holy Spirit being within us is where peace comes out. We can have true peace, inner peace. Everybody talks about having inner peace. We can't find that in ourselves. We can't do that on our own. We're not going to be able to force ourselves to have inner peace. Where inner peace comes from is through the one that's already inside us, which is the Holy Spirit. As the Holy Spirit is in us, we can trust Him to give us peace in our daily lives. When we walk with Him, we have peace from within. And that's what we see here in Romans chapter 8. It says the things of the Spirit. The mind, uh, it says, uh, the mind set on the Spirit is life and what? Peace. There is peace to be seen as we submit to the Holy Spirit in our lives. And it, you all know this passage, and, and uh, it's a common passage in the book of Galatians. But we see that the Holy Spirit is involved in peace there, too. In Galatians, 
uh, we see as we're talking about the Holy Spirit. And we're talking about the gifts or the fruit of the Holy Spirit in Galatians. In Galatians 5, verses 22 and 23. And this is what we see in that passage, 5, 22 and 23. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against things there is no law. Now those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also walk by the Spirit. Let us not become boastful, challenging one another, envying one another. Talks about walking with the Spirit, talks about the fruit of the Spirit, and peace is one in the list. That peace is part of the fruit of the Spirit. And so we see that the Spirit brings peace in our lives. And so the peace is just one part of the fruit of the Spirit that should be displayed in our lives daily. And so the Holy Spirit, God the Holy Spirit, brings us peace. Jesus brought it. The Holy Spirit allows us to live it. The Holy Spirit gives us the peace that we so desperately need. But it doesn't come from us. It doesn't come from our own strength. It comes from Him alone. Many people, we've, you know, as we've visited with Pastor John, as we've talked to him, as he's talked with him on the phone, even through this process that he's going through, everybody that's talked to him and everybody that... The conversation is always this. He's at such peace. He has so much peace. But I want to say, and I think if he were here today, he'd say this. The peace that he's experiencing is not from him. The peace that he's experiencing is coming from the Holy Spirit. It's coming from God himself. Only he can do that. And if we submit to the Holy Spirit, as John has, if we submit and we say, God, do what you want with me. I trust you and I'm submitting my life to the Holy Spirit. I'm going to walk in the Spirit. I'm going to walk in newness of life. I'm going to, I'm going to walk with you. If we do that, then peace that we don't maybe understand right now because we're going through a bunch of turmoil, it can be ours. It is ours. It's already there in the person of the Holy Spirit, and He's there wanting to let it flow through us. You see, peace comes as a result of the Holy Spirit and His work in our lives. That brings us then, as we've seen, God the Father promised us peace. God the Son brings peace, and the Holy Spirit gives peace. But now let's just take it down practically for a few minutes. Because this all sounds great, right? It all sounds good. God has given us peace. Peace is here for us, and all right, let's just walk away and be happy that we can have peace, and yet none of us really understand how that can feel, how, how that looks, what that looks like. Well, I want to take a few minutes to look at the practical aspect of how, then, do we allow the Holy Spirit to give us peace, even in the worst of times. So let's look at a few things. We can live in peace. We can live in peace. But the first thing I want to say is that we need to trust in God in everything. Isaiah. This is one of the most powerful verses that I found as I was studying this week. Uh, The book of Isaiah. In chapter 26, verse 3. Isaiah 26, verse 3. Says this. The steadfast of mind you will keep in perfect peace because he trusts in you. As we read that passage, as we read verse 3, once again, the steadfast of mind you will keep in perfect peace because he trusts in you. This goes back to what we talked about at the beginning, right? The backseat analogy as we're talking about that, that God is king. He is in control and we need to trust him in everything. If we want peace, it comes by trusting God instead of doubting. 
uh, going back to that illustration of, of driving in the car, uh, so the kid in the back seat doesn't really care that the storm is raging. He trusts the driver, or she trusts the driver. Now, unfortunately, a lot of us don't like to be that kid in the back seat. A lot of us, what we want to be is we want to be the spouse in the passenger seat that keeps yelling at the driver what they should or shouldn't do. I got permission like from my wife. This is what she does, right? So I'm driving. She's like, don't you think you're going a little too fast? Don't you think you should have turned back there? Don't uh, or shouldn't you pull off? Or is the ro- are the roads too icy? Do we need to stop? Um, and uh, and she said I could say all that because she knows it's true. And then if 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 we're driving, <laughs> if we're driving, we start to slip a little bit. You know, her hand will go right to the handle, and she'll hold on and grab the dash. And she's like, "Okay, here we go, honey. It's fine. It was a little slip. We're fine." But it's you know it's humorous to think about. But in in this context, though, aren't a lot of us like that? Instead of being the kid in the backseat that just trusts the driver to do what he's going to do and know that we're going to get there safe, we're the spouse in the passenger seat that thinks that we need to, to, to tell the driver where they need to go or when they need to stop or what he needs to do. How many times do we try to demand things of God and say, you know what, I want things my way, so why don't you pull off or why don't you go do this thing, go this way instead of that way? And we do that. We question him. We don't trust him so many times. We think we know better. We don't understand where he's going. Maybe we can't see uh, maybe the, the weather's so bad that you can't see it. And, and, but yet he can because he knows where he's going. He knows what to do. And yet so many times we don't trust him and sit in the back seat. We try to be that uh, side seat driver, you know, is what we're trying to do. Some of us even go so far as trying to grab the wheel. <laughs> but God is the one in control, not us. And when we sit in that seat and we try to tell him what he needs to do, that's not what he's called us to do. He's called us to sit in the back seat and trust him. Trust in what he's doing. Know that he's doing what is good. Know that he's doing what is right. Know that he knows where the destination is and he's getting us there. And we need to trust him completely. That's how one way the Holy Spirit can allow peace to come through our lives is when we trust him. When we abandon our own selfish thoughts and that we think we know better because we don't. God is in control. The next thing I want to look at, uh, try to do fairly quickly, but not only do we trust God in everything, but that should flush itself out in, this, in the sense that we surrender our worry. We surrender our worry. Uh, many of you know First Peter 5, 7, uh, cast your cares upon him. Uh, that we need to cast our cares upon God and, and, and not worry, but instead cast those to him and say, God, like I said, you're in control. I just want, I'll give it over to you. You worry about the storm. I don't have to. Cast your cares upon him because why? How does that verse end? Because he cares for you. He's not a maniac driver that's just trying to go anywhere he wants. He loves you. He cares for you. He loves you. He wants to do what's good. And because he cares, we can cast our cares on him and say, I trust you, God. Here are my worries. Here are my concerns. Here are my cares. You take care of it because I can't anymore. Matthew 6. Go there quickly. And this is another common passage I know many of you know. Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6, verses 25 through 34. Verse 25 of Matthew chapter 6. For this reason I say to you, do not be worried about your life as to what you will eat or what you will drink or for your body or as to what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air, for they do not sow uh, nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Or are you not worth much more than they? And who of you, by being worried, can add a single hour to his life? 
And why are you worried about clothing? Observe how the lilies in the field grow. They do not toil, nor do they spin. And yet I say to you that even Solomon in all his glory was not clothed like one of these. But in God so clothes the grass of the field, which is alive today and tomorrow is thrown into the furnace, will he not much more clothe you? Ye of little faith. Do not you worry then, uh, saying, What will we eat? Or what will we drink? Or what will we wear for clothing? For the Gentiles eagerly seek these things. For your heavenly Father knows what you need in all these things. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. So do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will care for itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. I know a lot of us know this passage, but I'm afraid a lot of us don't actually apply it. It says, look, why are you so worried? There's not, it's not going to do anything. Worry doesn't do anything. It only just makes you miserable and makes the people around you miserable. Don't worry. God's got it under control. If he can provide for the sparrows, if he can provide for the lilies, if he can provide for the grass, he can provide for you. And so we need to surrender our worry to God and say, you are God and you are going to take care of us. You know, John's whole sermon series on slave, he mentioned this passage, that if we are truly slaves of God, we will trust him that he will give us what we need because he is, our ulti- he is everything to us. He is our master. And therefore, he is going to provide for us Now, I want to make one observation here, and I want to make sure we understand this. We're not told here that God is going to always give us everything we want, right? I mean, life would be real easy if that was the case. But he does tell us he's going to give us everything we need. But also, he doesn't say he's going to give us everything we think we need. He says he's going to give us everything that he knows we need. And there's a great difference there. See, God's going to provide. It might be in a way that we don't understand. It might be in a way that we, uh, wouldn't be the way we would do it. That's a good thing. God knows what he's doing, and he wants us to surrender our worry. And not to worry about tomorrow. He says, let tomorrow worry about itself. I've got things under control. I'm driving. Just, just, sit, in, just sit back. Trust me. Surrender your worry. And finally, as we go into this last passage, I think this one is, uh, sums up everything we've been talking about. But in Philippians... Many of you know this passage as well. This isn't a lot of new stuff. But I think as we look to look to have peace, God's word has so much to say on it. In the book of Philippians, chapter 4, verses 6 through 9. Here we read this. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. We have this truth that we can cling on to in Philippians. And the thing is, is after he says that we can have peace that passes all comprehension, he goes on and says, Finally, brethren, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is good repute, if there's any excellence in anything worthy of praise, dwell on these things. The things you have learned and received and heard from me and, pra- and seen in me, practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. You see, this whole idea of setting our minds on all these different things, what it says is all these good things that we need to be thinking about, it says dwell on these things. Well, why do you think right after he talks about not being anxious, he says dwell on good things? Because when we're anxious and we're worried, we think about bad things. We think about what could go wrong. We think about uh, what, how we would do it different or we get angry or we have uh, these feelings that we shouldn't have because we're not focusing on the good that God has given. 
And so we go back into this passage where it says, in, with prayer and thanksgiving. You see, when we, are, when we are facing life and we are facing circumstances that we do not have peace, if we want the Holy Spirit to exude peace in our lives from within, we need to pray with thanksgiving. Pray to God and pray for things. Pray that even that he will remove... I mean, even Jesus said, hey, remove this cup if you can, but nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. We can pray that God will take things away and that God will change things, but we ultimately are still praying in thanksgiving and saying, God, but whatever you do, I am thankful. I am thankful for what you're doing. I'm thankful for what you've done. I'm thankful even ahead of time for what you're going to do because I know you do what is good and therefore we pray in thanksgiving. You see, we, don't wor- we won't worry if instead of worrying, we're thanking. Worry is saying, I don't have enough. Thanksgiving is saying, I have all I need. And so I would say today, as we look at Philippians chapter 4, it says, if you don't, be anxious for nothing. Don't worry about anything, he says. And he says, what's the opposite of worry? Well, it's peace in verse 7. He says, how do you get that peace? Well, have, by everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be known to God. You see, as we thank God for what we have, look at what's good in our life, that's where verse 8 comes in, and we are actively looking and dwelling on what God has done for us and how good God is and what we know Him to be, then we won't have time to dwell on what could be and start worrying and having anxiety over things. God has things under control. So how do we live in peace as we allow the Holy Spirit to work through us? Once again, this is not in our own strength. We call out to God and we, we seek to trust Him in everything. We surrender our worry completely to Him and we pray with... <clears throat> Sorry, excuse me. Oh, I do have water. Good. We pray for Thanksgiving. <clears throat> with Thanksgiving. So we pray to Him. So in conclusion, as we've looked at all these things, we've seen that God has promised peace. It was given to us in the person of Jesus Christ. Peace with God and the peace of God. <clears throat> and that the peace of God comes through the Holy Spirit, and His work in our lives, let us ask some questions about our lives. First of all, I want to ask this question. Do you have peace with God? Are you sitting here today, do you have a relationship with Jesus Christ? Do you have a relationship with Him? Have you experienced peace with God? Are you still an enemy of Him? Are you still sinning willfully and spitting in his face and you are not following him and you are living a life of sin? Is that you today? Do you not have peace with God? Well, I said it earlier, I'll say it again. You can have peace with God. You don't have to be an enemy. You can be an ally. You can be joined to him. And how, do you, how does that work itself out? Well, Jesus came to this earth. The world was created perfect. We sinned. We messed it up. Humanity brought sin, and so death was deserved by all, right? We all deserve to die and end up separated from God in hell. We deserved that, and yet God came through Jesus Christ. He sent Jesus to the earth to bring peace by living a perfect life. We celebrate Christmas where he first came, when he was first born, but then he lived a perfect life, ministered to people, healed people, showed that he was the Son of God, showed that he was God himself, and then God himself went on the cross, died for us so that we don't have to be separated from him any longer. He died on the cross so that we could be saved, so that he took that punishment. And he said, you don't have to face death and hell any longer. Once and for all, I have paid the penalty for sin. If you will only come to me in trust, if you will only trust me, believe in me, believe on me, 
Trust in me. And that is what is required. It's free. You don't have to do anything to deserve it. All you have to do is say, Jesus, I give my life to you. All you really have to do is say, I'm ready to sit in the back seat and stay there. You know, we, to say, Jesus, I give you everything. I want you to be my savior and I, want, I trust completely in you. And when that happens, you can have peace with God. You are no longer an enemy. So I'd encourage you today, if you don't know Jesus Christ as your savior, if you have not accepted him, if you have not committed your life to him, then make today the day you do that. And if you want to know more about how you can do that or what it looks like or more information about what the gospel even is, talk to myself, talk to anyone here that you know has a relationship with Jesus. They would love to talk to you about how you can know him. So I hope most, if not all of us, have peace with God. But then the next question, I think, is where we all struggle. If you have peace with God, do you know the peace of God? It's a struggle for us all. Disease death, trials, people that we have to struggle with. And there's so many things that we are so tempted to worry about, to let our lives be overtaken by what could be. What, instead of focusing on what is so important, what God has done, do you have the peace of God? Are you letting the Holy Spirit bring that peace from within you and flow it out? And I want to encourage you to look for ways that you can do that. Think, pray, ask God to help you do this because in trying times we are promised peace, but so many times we don't live the promise because we think God's not big enough to give us peace or because we think we know better or because we're just so looking at ourselves that we forget that we need to look to Him. So do you know the peace of God? It's a struggle, but I want to ask, do you know the peace of God? And then finally, do you trust in God through prayer and thanksgiving or do you doubt him through worry and fear? Because that's what it comes down to, right? Worry and fear is doubt. We're saying, God, we don't know what's going to happen. We don't know what you're going to do and we're worried. We're scared. Okay, no, that's doubt. Faith says, God, I don't know what's going on. I really don't, but I don't care because I know you do. That's faith. That's trust. That's praying and being thankful for what we have instead of worrying and being fearful for what the future will hold. But once again, I want to urge you to understand this one thing. This does not come in our own strength. You can try all day long to manufacture peace. You can pretend to be peaceful. You can, you can do whatever you want and say all the right things, but true peace only comes from the Holy Spirit. I want to make that clear. So we need to rely on Him, call upon Him, pray and ask that we can have peace. But then not only just pray that we can have peace, but trust that we will and then live it. See, sometimes we ask for something and I don't think we even really want it. We're, we're comfortable in us looking at our lives and wanting to control it. So we say, God, help us to see you in control and help us to not worry. And yet we find some kind of weird comfort in worry sometimes. Like somehow we can do anything about our lives if we just worry. And Jesus told us that's not the case. So my, I urge you, call upon God and ask for peace. But then don't just stop there. Don't just ask for it and then not look for it. Ask for it and then claim it. Ask for peace and say, look, I know you promised I need your help here. I need the Holy Spirit to give me peace. Pray in thanksgiving. These are ways that we can experience peace. And so with all that being said, that brings me to the end. I just want to close things as I assume the worship team's coming up for one more song. Um, As we close, I just want to say, Christmas time is here. We have peace. Peace came through Jesus Christ. But it, didn't have to st- it doesn't stop just with peace with God. We can have peace today.
And I know, like I've said before, all of us are going through various different trials. And it seems like as Christmas comes near, it would be so easy for us to worry about the future. But instead, let us trust the Prince of Peace that brought peace on earth, goodwill to men. Let's trust him this Christmas season, but also each and every day that we can have true and lasting peace that doesn't come from us, doesn't come from the world, but comes through Jesus and Jesus alone. Thank you. No song. All right. So in that case, what we're going to do, no song. What I'd like to do is close in prayer, um, and then I'm going to close with one last scripture that's at the bottom of your, uh, your page here. Let's close in prayer. Lord, I want to thank you for today. Thank you for your reminder that we can have peace in this life because we have peace with you. And Lord, I call upon you for this whole church body, for all of us, um, every single one of us, Lord, that you would allow us to have true peace. Not anything that we can manufacture in ourselves, but true peace that can only come through you. It can only, that's been promised through the Father, given to us, uh, brought to us by Christ, and given to us by the Holy Spirit. So Lord, as we pray today, I pray that the Holy Spirit would give us true peace and that people would see that and they'd be able to give you glory and honor and praise that is due to you. And God, we thank you for what you're doing, what you've done, and what you're going to do. Even when we don't understand it, even when we're not sure which way you're going, Lord, you know. And so we just trust you. We want to put everything in your hands. And if there's anyone here today that is struggling with peace, struggling with trust, struggling with thanksgiving, Lord, I pray that you would work in their lives, transform their hearts, Help them to see you in the way you want them to see you. Help them to trust you completely. And I pray that that would be the case this morning. And we pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to leave you with this one last passage from 1 Thessalonians 3.16. As we go forth, I'm just going to pray this over us all, really. May the Lord of peace himself continually grant you peace in every circumstance. The Lord be with you all. It's the best way to send you out. God bless.